Amen. Good morning, friends. Today, uh, we're continuing our little mini-series in the book of Hebrews, the kind of last little section of Hebrews, where we look at the preacher of Hebrews' words of comfort and wisdom to guide a group of new Jewish Christians in a wild and uncertain world. Last week, we heard the guiding word that the saints who've gone before us now cheer us on in the Christian life, providing a sort of cloud covering for us. Today, we move just a little later on in chapter 12 as the preacher provides some striking imagery for us about God's kingdom. I invite you to listen now with open hearts and minds as we encounter God's word together from the 12th chapter of Hebrews, beginning with the 18th verse. You've not come to something that can be touched, a blazing fire and darkness and gloom and a tempest and the sound of a trumpet and a voice whose words made the hearers beg that not another word be spoken to them. They could not endure the order that was given. If even an animal touches the mountain, it shall be stoned to death. Indeed, so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I tremble with fear. But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to the innumerable angels in festal gathering, and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. See that you do not refuse the one who is speaking. For if they did not escape when they refused the one who warned them on earth, how much less will we escape if we reject the one who warns from heaven? At that time, his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised. Yet once more, I will shake not only the earth, but also the heaven. This phrase, yet once more, indicates the removal of what is shaken, that is, created things, so that what cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us give thanks by which we offer to God an acceptable worship with reverence and awe. For indeed, our God is a consuming fire. This is the word of the Lord, and thanks be to God. Friends, i got to admit, this might be one of those passages where we're all just a little hesitant to respond, thanks be to God, right? I mean, there's some pretty troubling imagery here. A consuming fire, a shaking heaven and earth, these destructive forces make us wonder, at least for a moment, is this a good thing or a bad thing? Scholar Tom Long says of the final verse here that our God is a consuming fire. It makes us wonder whether we should sing out the doxology or hide in fear under our pews. Such a confusing, troubling verse makes us wonder of the different ways we might understand these images. What do they mean? You know, sometimes even in the midst of chaotic, destructive forces, new things can emerge. Or perhaps such an earth-shaking experience can help remind someone of the things that matter most. John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist tradition, told a well-known story from his childhood in which his family's home was destroyed by a fire 
when he was only five years old. John was plucked out of the burning building in his sleep, and he awoke on the lawn. His family remembers the event as a miracle, because even though they lost basically all of their possessions, his mother, father, and eight siblings were unharmed in the consuming blaze. John remembers a powerful moment in which his home was on fire when he saw his father, upon seeing his family around him safe, called out to the surrounding community and said, Come, neighbors, let us kneel down. Let us give thanks to God. He has given me all my eight children. Let the house go. I'm rich enough. Fire, though terrifying and destructive to homes and communities, also can bring about some new beginnings within ecosystems. I spoke with a member of our congregation this week who is a retired forester, and he shared with me that fire is actually a key tool of the forestry service. A tool that's either used to fight a wildfire with a technique known as backfire, Tom, I, I hope I'm not butchering this too much. <laughs> or also through doing something called a controlled burn to help thin out a, a, an over-dense forest, preventing a larger, more uncontrollable wildfire. But it also helps restart the health of the soil. I hope I didn't butcher that, Tom. <laughs> so to return to our text... It's worth mentioning that for the original audience of Hebrews, things were not looking so bright. While the exact timing of the book is, is pretty disputed, it's likely understood to have been written for Jewish Christians living in a time of dispersion. Likely in Rome, under a time in which Jews were being expelled from the city during Emperor Claudius's rule. Things were uncertain. They're scary. It seemed like everything around them was being shaken up and thrown around. The preacher or writer of Hebrews knew this all too well. This was the reality to which he was speaking. This was their daily lives. And he has this very much in mind in this very long-winded sermon. I promise this one will be much shorter. While we certainly can't identify with the kind of persecution these Jewish Christians might have been experiencing in Rome, friends, we know a thing or two about feeling as if our whole world is being shaken up and thrown around. From an increase in severe weather events due to a warming planet, to the COVID-19 pandemic uprooting just about everything we know about how our world works, to injustice of every kind both here and around the world, to a stark ideological divide in our nation where we literally cannot agree on anything. Friends, like the original audience of Hebrews, we know a thing or two about feeling as if our world has gone off its hinges, is being uncontrollably shaken about. Yet in the midst of this unpredictable, troubling chaos, the preacher here does something unexpected and truly powerful. He simply tells us there's some things that just cannot be shaken. In the midst of these unsettling images, the preacher tells us that there's only one possible outcome of this total shakedown of the heavens and earth. 
only the things that cannot be shaken will remain. So what is it that can't be shaken? What could possibly be immune to such earth-shattering, axis-altering change? To the preacher of Hebrews, there's only one answer. God's kingdom. We often think of this idea of God's kingdom as heaven, as the afterlife, which, sure, that's certainly part of it. But the New Testament, particularly Jesus' own words in the gospel, tells us that this is so much more. The Greek here, basileia to theou, might be taken as God's kingdom. But it might also be understood as God's rule, God's reign, when everything will be as God will have it to be, on heaven and on earth. As Christians, we, re- we live into this reality, this reign of God here and now, of God's reign of peace, justice, and love, because Jesus has come and made it present now. Yet we also know that this reign is not yet fully present. There's still so much suffering. There's still evil and sadness and chaos and injustice in the world. God's reign of peace, justice, and love then is both already and not yet fully present. But this is what the preacher of Hebrews speaks of as that which cannot be shaken. No matter how chaotic, no matter how uncertain things seem, God's reign, God's rule of love, peace, and justice will ultimately prevail. The preacher uses this image to instill hope within this community in a wild and uncertain time, to remind the Hebrews that we know how our story ends and we know who will have the last word. Friends, this week the Church Universal lost an absolute giant as the writer Frederick Beekner completed his baptism. Now, I got to admit, it took some restraint for me not to do the entire service or at least the entire sermon in Frederick Beekner quotes because he had such a gift for poetically articulating what God's unshakable reign looks like and the hope we can all have on this side of the resurrection. Hear these words from Beekner. The worst isn't the last thing about the world. It's the next to the last thing. The last thing is the best. It's the power from on high that comes down into the world, that wells up from the rock bottom worst of the world like a hidden spring. Can you believe it? The last best thing is the laughing deep in the hearts of saints, sometimes our hearts even. Yes, you are terribly loved and forgiven. Yes, you are healed. All is well. So friends, what cannot be shaken? God's reign. It is indeed the last that can and will prevail over every worst thing we could possibly imagine. It is truly the saints like Beekner and others who taught us that God's reign of peace, justice, and love is an unshakable, rock-hard, firm foundation. I find it so fitting today, friends, that we are celebrating our pastor emeritus, Reverend 
Vic Winter's 100th birthday as a congregation today. I want to take just a minute to put his legacy and longevity into perspective. I've been the uh, pastor of this congregation for several years now, but when Reverend Winter retired here in 1987, I was only a toddler. And as many of you like to joke with me about how I'm so young, I did a bit of research this week, and I found out that when Reverend Winter began his ministry here in 1951, he was a whole two years younger than I was when starting here as pastor. (laughs) Reverend Winter, in his 36 years as pastor of Warrington Presbyterian Church, ministered through numerous global events from the Cuban Missile Crisis to virtually the entire Cold War, to the Korean and Vietnam Wars, and many, many others. His ministry through this time instilled the promise of God's unshakable reign in the hearts of countless people in this congregation, some of you still here with us today, but countless others throughout this wider community and world. And, you know, it's also because of Reverend Winter that a beloved story of this congregation's history has been preserved. Through the history book, book he wrote, The Story of a Church. See, back in 1849, a tornado destroyed the church building known as the Brick Church, a building that we once shared with our friends at St. James Episcopal Church about a block or two down Main Street from where we are now. I believe in that direction. I apologize if I'm wrong. Tradition has it, Winter notes, that after the tornado destroyed the the brick church, only the pulpit and the Bible remained. As the preacher of Hebrews would put it, some things just cannot be shaken. Friends, the story of our congregation, as well as our reading from Hebrews, tells us that we belong to an unshakable kingdom, an unshakable reign of God defined by peace, justice, and love. Nothing, nothing, not a pandemic, not a disaster, not division, nothing at all we are promised can shake this reign of God. Nothing can keep God's reign from ultimately prevailing and having the last word, from being the last thing. The preacher of Hebrews reminds us that the appropriate response in light of this unshakable reign of God is gratitude and worship. It's in such a posture in which we can behold just how precious we are in God's eyes. That no matter what happens, we are part of God's unshakable reign and unshakable kingdom. And friends, I can't help myself, but I'm going to conclude with one more quote by Beekner that sums up so well the heart of our text. These are words, friends, that uh, if you've been here a little while, you've heard me paraphrase while doing baptisms. Uh, But you know what? They're also words that I whisper to each of my children soon after they were born to remind them that they are not just my beloved child, but they're God's beloved child too. Hear these words, friends. The grace of God means something like, here is your life. You might never have been, but you are because the party wouldn't have been complete without you. Here's the world. Beautiful and terrible things will happen. Don't be afraid. I'm with you. Nothing can ever separate us. It's for you I created the universe, 
I love you.